Hello and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in mum talk to be honest real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments wherever you may be thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation Nourish is a well-being app created by mums for mums, offering bite-sized calm and well-being at your fingertips. The app is an on-demand library of meditations, videos and quick reads across mindfulness, yoga nidra, psychology and much more, all tailored to the emotions and challenges we face as mums. It's a support team of well-being experts in your pocket who are all mums themselves who get it. Try Nourish to de-stress, restore and reboot and find more love, joy and calm in the chaos and pressures of modern mum life. Nourish was named App of the Day by Apple and is free to download and explore on iOS and Android. Check it out at thenourishapp.com. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk Series 9, Episode 6. And today I am speaking with Kat Gazzoli, founder of Piccolo, one of the UK's fastest growing premium baby and toddler food brands. Before setting up Piccolo, Kat worked in the charitable sector of the food world. She began her career with the United Nations food agencies in Rome where she created campaigns and programmes promoting sustainable livelihoods for farmers, as well as promoting female parity and equal opportunities. She then became the CEO of Slow Food UK, the global campaigning organisation for good, clean and fair food. Kat, a mum of two, birthing her second daughter in lockdown, joins me today to share her birth experience, growing a business in the pandemic with children, and the importance of healthy eating as a family. Enjoy. So you're in Italy right now, so you escaped the second variant. How is it in Italy at the moment? Um, well, it, it, you know, it, uh, as you probably, as you know, it, like it really, Europe, Italy was the first country really kicked off in, mm. in a big way, but not anywhere near where we're from so we're on the border with Austria and like near Trieste so it's been pretty I'd say they've they've had some issues but nowhere near like what you saw in Lombardia um and overall you know it's very safe because it's quiet and certainly a lot more um space than in central London it's I I'm living in a very condensed I mean right in Covent Garden uh where I've always lived in London so like it was very challenging for my child my my older daughter like to go even to school when the school was open Mm -hmm. because unfortunately just in central London it was just people literally camping out on the streets it was difficult to explain that to a child every morning so it for safety reasons it was you know and I didn't even know how difficult things would get but I I felt the best thing for the children would be to be with their grandparents in a kind of more 
closer to nature, more space, less condensed, less density really of people, Mm -hmm. uh, in a very nice uh, region of Italy. That's, um, quite well known for its wine and, um, so, so it's, I mean, it's still like semi lockdown, so it's not same as normal at all, but just in terms of for children, you know, it's, it's safer and school, school is, is open in a more regular way for primary age children. So in terms of education, um, there's, I've been very lucky so that, you know, I think missing school is really difficult or having schools open and closed. So I want to do what was right for, for the children, but also most importantly for, for the business, for, for Piccolo that I founded, cause that's like a full-time child. Yeah. And in this way, I have a lot less worries <laughs> about the kids so I can be, you know, 24-7 on Piccolo. Yeah. So we'll come a little bit later to how you're, um, you know, surviving and growing as a business through the pandemic. Um, But I want to have a little chat about giving birth to your second daughter, Scarlett. That was in lockdown, right? Yes, that was in lockdown. It was was really different experience for me because I my first child I had in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, with the grandparents and just, you know, with family and, uh, it also in like a medium sized kind of town. So not like, not like giving birth in central London. Um, uh, my, yes, my second daughter, Scarlett was born the second day, Yeah. The first day of lockdown essentially. So the oh, hospital wow. was still even prepared. It was very weird because they were like, they said to me, you are the only person here. They said, this never happens. This is this is right in central London, like the hospital, the hospital that's actually now quite from what I've been reading overrun practically, like they mm-hmm. had to convert a lot of their wards. But at the time, um, they were just preparing for what to, how to manage the whole COVID scenario. If it, you know, cause it was just, everyone was still kind of in shock. So they said to me, you know, you're going to have to, I said, look, <laughs> I said, I, we, I said, I think, cause I had an induced birth, the first, my first child. And I said, I thought, I said, I, I, I think my water is broken. I said, <laughs> but I haven't had this experience before, even though I'm a mother, I was like, I was working away. And I, and then, and, and, and they said, yeah, well, you're going to need to have a C-section in, like almost immediately. We just need to prepare things because we need to do like a COVID safety run you know, because you're the, you're, I'm essentially the first person here and there was nobody else on the whole maternity ward. It was incredible. And they just wow. said, they think, and they thought everyone was scared. Plus they were preparing. So they just said, hold, they said, could you, you know, let's hold, we're going to hold on one hour. We're going to run this safety drill and then we're all yours. So it was, it was really, really, oh my goodness. and it's really odd because I didn't even have, you know, I, I had had diaper in case she was born early, but they were in the office actually that, you know, a, a company, a brand we work with called Kittenkin, you know, had sent to me, but I didn't even bring it home because, you know, it was, it was like, it was just way before her due date. And so I, you know, I was, I didn't even have any, then they said, do you have, do you have, do you have diapers with you? Like, we don't have enough. They actually were telling me we, we don't have, we've had a bit of a shortage. And I was like, okay, we're going to have to get a diaper run, go back to the office. And cause at that time, cause it was locked down trying to find diapers last minute was actually becoming challenging within 24 hours. It was panic buying. So it was really, really funny. It was really funny. Um, but it was, you know, a a very uh, good experience in terms of my first experience giving birth in England. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off to them. 
Oh, good. And you said you had a um, a really amazing midwife. Yes, yes. And that was also, even though I had, I, you know, I've, I've been in the UK a long time, like, you know, it's different really going the full journey with, with a midwife, with the NHS. And because I had moved to Italy in order to give birth with my first child. So I kind of had, you know, more, the first six months were on the English side, but this was the full, the full shebang with, um, with our, my midwife, Allison. And it was just her, you know, wonderful to learn about her journey. She was a much older mom, like, um, in the sense of, you know, early fifties. Um, and you know, I, I hadn't even asked her if she had a baby because I just didn't assume I assumed too much. And, and, um, I already felt I was old to be having a second baby and, and we really connected and it was a wonderful, uh, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to really see up close, you know, how, how diverse England is and, you know, people having babies in all kinds of ways and, and different ways. And this was with her, her, female partner so it's just I love that about about the Amazing. NHS about about Britain and London mm. I say in Italy, I guess because I'm 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 British Italian and American nationalities like to, it's it's quite different like the, you wouldn't have that experience as like naturally here you know where you'd have a your midwife be gay and have a baby and be in her early 50s like that is <laughs> the chance of that happening in Italy is a little bit less than in London mm-hmm. and I, you know, I lo- and I love that diversity. I love that diversity about London and, I mean, all of the UK. But obviously my experience is more in London because I've lived in London. Mm. And was your midwife all the way through from kind of the beginning of your pregnancy right the way through to giving birth? Or was it just yes. the labour? Yes. No, 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 no. The, the whole shebang. The That's whole, amazing. Whole shebang I called her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, with a C-section, obviously, you know, it, it, you know, then that moves to a different team, but mm. uh, it was a very complete and well-rounded service. And I would also say, given my style, like I'm very hectic and, you know, I was picking up urgent calls during some appointments with her sometimes, like, you know, she definitely, you know, I, I got the sense put up with different types of st- styles of ladies <laughs> coming into her 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 you know her clinic um and I appreciate that that's wonderful I think it's quite rare I mean definitely where I am I live in the southwest of England it's not um it's not very common to have your same midwife see you through the whole of your pregnancy and birth as well um yes so that's 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 lovely because it's c-section time like you know that that is becomes quite medical but Mm. but overall it was a I also, you know, they have different different teams depending on how age, how old you are when you give birth. So because I'm over forty, I you know you you do get I think extra attention. Mm. You get extra attention because you're slight. You're just statistically you you can have more risk. Um, so I, I I think that was also part of why I had such a consistent experience. Because you're absolutely right with my first child when I was in my mid thirties, um, it wasn't the same person who I was seeing. And I think that made a really big difference Mm. to just, you know, to have a bit of bonding and get each other's styles. Absolutely. And, um, can I, do you mind me asking why you had a C-section? Was it elective or? A, I can't, my first one was, it was so painful. This is a very long, long labor. And then they had to do a C-section anyway. And Mm. I just said, I'm not going through that to do a C-section anyway, Mm -hmm. which I was 
going to happen again. And then also, if you've had one C-section, um, which was like an emergency C-section when after like over, I know it must have been over 24 hours of labor, like it wasn't working out. Wow. Um, they, they do they they do suggest to you that it can be safer actually if you've already had one to have another one again depending on you know all kinds of things that they check out beforehand so that was their recommendation to me if 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 from a safety perspective mm-hmm. so Frank, how's yeah, for me it's much better i mean for me it was <laughs> i i i prefer like the you know it's it's painful uh, a c-section yes you have to heal afterwards but the labor for me was way too painful. I, 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 I really couldn't bear it. So I was very happy to be offered an elective C-section. <laughs> Absolutely. Gosh, we've got to do what's, what works best for us and what we feel most comfortable with, don't we? It's hard enough going through pregnancy, let alone labor. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think there's been some, some stuff in the media about how years ago, not even that long ago, but how some hospitals can be pushy around natural birth. I, you know, I'm quite a confident person in what I want, but I do think it's mm-hmm. important that, you know, each mom makes her own decision and there's mm-hmm. no pressure around, you know, to the mother on her own choice. And so, um, but it, you know, so I had a very, very positive experience with the NHS. I'm so, so pleased, especially during COVID and during the first day of lockdown. I'm so pleased. So how long were you in London for with Scarlett before you headed over to Italy? And did you find it different? Obviously, with your first, you know, you were in Italy, your parents were around, uh, you had you had support. Did you find those first few weeks difficult? I mean, I kept saying she really had, (laughs) she didn't have the same fantastic set up my first child had I mean it I mean definitely I think being with family and I mean especially when I'm not the type of person where I really step off and and Mm -hmm. don't work so for for me to to not have any parents around and have my other child older and out of school because of COVID that was challenging I mean we actually got some private tutoring for her I, I I couldn't manage all three. It's like having three kids. Mm. Um, the, the, the baby was, you know, it just, it's not the same opportunity. Like when, when you take a walk, I mean, everything you do as a mom, when there isn't a pandemic is not on the table, especially cause we were in smack. I mean, when I mean smack central lens, I mean, practically in front of Covent Garden tube stop. I mean, that's how central. So in terms of just, uh, it just wasn't safe to really, take her around there's not there's only so much room on even though in the beginning you know people were still coming into that central part of London um to because there was a lot of handouts uh and so it it really just wasn't safe to be taking a baby around Mm. even really for a walk without some type of cover over the stroller and things like that so yes it was definitely not (laughs) not as not the experience I had in my in in my first time but you know I think and and now it's much better to have family around Mm. during yeah it was a very easy decision to go back to Italy (laughs) uh well I mean I couldn't go back to Italy right away no uh, no. I had I mean she was a total newborn you Mm. have to get paper I mean just to be quite a total nightmare was because she was born in lockdown you can't get I couldn't even get a birth certificate because oh, that was no. so, so it took me quite a while 
<laughs> to get any paperwork on who this child was. Uh, you have everything shut during lockdown, including a birth certificate, which means, you know, how you can't travel without a passport. Mm-hmm passport without a birth certificate. <laughs> so, so, I mean, there was quite a lot of, I didn't even realize that fast enough. Um, I, like I, I should have basically within, within a few days of her being born, which is when I, you know, needed to start getting all the paperwork, everything was closed. Mm, my goodness. So, but that was fine. In the end, in the end, like we finally, um, managed it. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And how is, um, how is your eldest with her? How was the transition for her for, for getting a little, a little sister? Uh, I have to say, you know, it's, it's definitely challenging for the older child because Mm. she's had us for almost, you know, it's six full years more than that. Uh, it's a big age difference. And so she's really wanted a, a, a sibling, but it's taken her, it's still taking her quite a while to, <laughs> to share. Um, because I, I, you know, I, the, the time I put in, into the business is quite hefty. And so there isn't that much time and that always needs to be shared. Now I am actually seeing that it's, sometimes it's just better to separate. So, you know, just spend quality time with the older child, uh, reading and, and, and adjusting her in, into, um, you know, all, all the newness that's coming with COVID. Um, but mm. yeah, but it certainly wasn't, it, it still isn't easy, but that's fine. You know, I, that is not a problem. We are, we are, we are getting her used to sharing. Oh, <laughs> we're expecting our second in May, um, a little brother for Amandine. And I mean, that the age gap won't be much at all. Amandine's two. Totally different. Yeah. So it'll be different, but I still, I still worry if oh, she's going to get used to sharing, because of course during lockdown, my husband's an airline pilot, so he's been home pretty much for oh, a whole okay. year. Oh my, okay. okay. Um, and I think that it's going to become quite a shock to her when he goes back to work, and then there's a new baby, and it's probably all going to happen at the same time. <laughs> to be honest, I think it's the age. It's the age is like so long with just mm. mom, and daddy, but um, we we have grandparents, and and so there's so much attention, you know, for both children that, that, um, I think, you know, hopefully you'll have some grandparents around from by then, you know, when, when the pandemic, um, subsides. Mm. Oh, let's hope so. Let's hope there's an end to all of this. So, um, what are your tips for self-care and, and looking after newborns in a, in a lockdown? Well, I have to say this baby is a very easy baby. Lovely. Um, sense that she's very, like, she just needs, she's very, um, I think because she had so much time just with us, mm. even, even, even when we got, like, we don't, you don't see anyone outside of the grandparents really. So mm-hmm. she's, she's quite needs to be either with me or a grandmother, but, um, overall, I just feel what's actually important is to take, just spend, make sure you're taking a somewhat charge of yourself. So just like even taking a multivitamin, like, cause in, especially in Italy, to be honest, the culture is quite different than England in the sense that there's in England, there's definitely much more discussion around taking care of mom and mom being in a good place. And I can, 
that is like a little bit more progressive than Italy. Um, so of course there's a bit of that, but in general, it's all about the bambino or the bambina. And I just think it's quite important that, you know, you're on top of your own game. Um, and in terms of the baby, it's, um, for me, it was just quite important that we like, if, if it's possible and, you know, sometimes I might do calls as I walk with the buggy, but it's just to get like a bit of fresh air together. Um, in this period, it, that that was why it was getting a bit stressful um, in London because it really wasn't fresh air, you know, off Trafalgar Square. Um, but uh, here, here it's like much more kind of mountain air and you know, totally different for for a baby. And so I think that's nice that connection with with that, that connection with nature. Oh, absolutely! That's really interesting what you say about kind of cultural differences between. Um, you know how how Italians see babies and newborns, and how we see it over here in England. Would you say there are any other kind of large differences like that? Well, I mean, obviously, because I'm in, I mean, I'm my life is food and piccolo and baby yeah. and everything. I mean, I, that is something that's also quite different as well. Mm. Um, so like the whole feed situation, because in in the UK, like baby led weaning or like you know. Even how you talk about baby food when you do buy baby food or, you know, we talk a lot about sugar levels and the importance of um, the nutrients in, in, in all of our blends, for example. Whereas in, <laughs> here it's like much more about how much the baby is eating, which can be a little bit overwhelming because it's actually each baby is different so mm-hmm. I'm pushing back all the time because I mean I know this stuff in and out and you know just because she's more hungry one day than another day it doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong but you know here there'll be much more discussion around what does that really you know what does that mean is there something wrong like weighing it's 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 a little bit less um I say informal but it's just interesting how some of the major debates that are happening in Britain are, I mean, very much because there's a lot, there's, you know, childhood obesity issues, which are the same. And we have major issues on that in Italy as well. Um, You know, talking about sugar and no sugar, or or at least how much, you know, be it natural sugar or added sugar, you know, those kind of topics, which are really important for me and why I started Piccolo are a little bit less to the forefront. Whereas in Britain, they're very much to the forefront, uh, especially sugar. Um, and, and it's why I've been, I spent a lot of time like working on our, especially snacks. I mean, here there's a lot of baby and toddler products with added sugar, which I wrong. Um, so that's allowed in England, but I have to say like very few, very few, uh, companies that make baby food, um, you know, are doing that. So, you know, like Piccolo, we really just try to make sure that we can give the best tasting product, but with very low, if any sugar levels, um, you know, using natural fruit, but never added sugar. So, so it's like a totally different paradigm here. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like behind Britain, which is interesting considering it's such a foodie culture. I guess on the other side, they eat very well here. So there's people buy less baby and toddler food. You don't see kids with like snacks who are one years old in the buggy holding snacks. You do not see that. Whereas in Britain, you know, I would say quite often you see like eating on the go. Yeah. Just the, the whole culture is, to- is totally different. And that that is probably a big reason why 
these issues are not as much to the forefront. However, there is childhood obesity issues here. Um, as you know, it's just not as pronounced in the press. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I imagine Italy is probably quite similar to, um, France. I mean, it's, it's yeah. similar there, you know, you very, very rarely see kids with snacks, you know, in buggies, you know, teeny tiny kids. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we we always do our very best to well we actually do because we we have no other reason not to but we have all of our meals together breakfast lunch and dinner at yeah. the table and um, there's very little eating on the go but I I very much think that's driven from kind of Hendrix side and um, the French yeah. side so I'm, I imagine that's quite the same. The big difference isn't like there's a breastfeeding so there's a quite high yeah. consumption because we make formula so um, in France there is a, a more accepting uh acceptance around formula like it's not as seen as such a uh it's not the dichotomy that it can be in britain around like shame when it shouldn't be shameful um in italy you it it is slightly different on that as well so i would say like in in milan airport for example there's like a breastfeeding corner um Mm. and that's more that's a little bit more to the forefront so mm. just people breast, which I, you know, I'm really into breastfeeding myself. So mm. I use some of our formula, like, you know, for a complimentary feed, like from the grandmother or my husband, but, um, I'm quite into breastfeeding and the bonding and, you know, the positives that it gives, but I, but I, you know, wanted to make my own organic formula so that I had it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know the pandemic was going to come. Um, which obviously means I can do most of my meeting. I do my meetings on Zoom, so I don't have to travel, which is why, you know, people tend to sometimes use formula because they just physically need to go to work or a meeting and they can't take their baby with them. Um, but there's some differences around, around that as well. Absolutely. God, that's brilliant about Milan Airport. I don't think we have any airports that I know of in the UK that have a breastfeeding corner. tends to be like a mixed facility room. It's not the same, like... <laughs> maybe is beautiful like it's quite a little beautiful breastfeeding kind of um room corner from when in, in milan but but, so o- but overall it's um you know it's it, it, culturally it's quite different even mm. like formula usage and compared to even like baby food like wet purees and snacks so you know i i kind of i enjoy all the different cultural differences in 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 each country and um being here it's it's a good reminder of so many positives about about the uk mm. uh, so there's a lot of issues around you know it's it's it the whole maternity structure in the uk and and being able to go back like flex home working of course that's all changing with the pandemic but like before covid i would say britain has been quite progressive on um you know shared you know job sharing and like everything everything that can be done to support women and work mm. um but and all of that kind of ties back to you know why why moms buy baby food because mm. you know the homeless to make it so all these kind of cultural socioeconomic factors t- tie into like each country's consumption of you know baby and toddler food products and formula and breastfeeding all of that Mm, that's so so interesting so completely switching topic (laughs) you guys um I'm assuming in uh, Covent Garden lived in the same flat and your husband also works at Piccolo how has 
being around each other so much affected your relationship and you know not going into the office and working from the same space and juggling kids and how how has that affected your relationship um well I mean I guess I should say that again my husband my career before Piccolo and then his career like it's always been just talking about work is always been exciting for us to talk about Mm. I guess for me, it's very much always been part of my identity, even before Piccolo. So I was with the United Nations and I was head of um, Slow Food in the UK and a global board member of Slow Food, which is like a campaigning organization on good food. And I guess I should mention we also both love amazing food and cook and cooking. So so like to so my my career before Piccolo was always in food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now, you know, we can talk about we were just looking at we were just looking at like percentages of <laughs> apple versus mango and things on a blend. So we really like to talk about food ingredients, <laughs> um, nutrition, like nutrition component. Cause this blend, we just had our scarlet taste. Like for me, I felt was too sweet, you know? And, and, and it's interesting. What we do argue about is maybe around like our responsibility as uh, a company to not necessarily always give consumers just what they want, but mm-hmm. because sometimes you know, not everyone has spent their whole life around food and, and what it means from a nutritional perspective. And when you do that in your career, because I did that also in the United Nations, it's real. like when we make products, we really want to be improving the nutritionals. You know, we want to be giving the very best we can while still supporting the baby or toddler or child to in, you know, like the like the taste. Mm. And that's really like hard balance sometimes because, you know, babies and toddlers will naturally, most of them, not all of them, but because breast milk is very sweet. I mean, I know that my own breast milk is very sweet. I can definitely understand, you know, the the statistic is that it takes 10 times for a baby to get used to like a bitter taste. Um, So we will discuss things like that because, you know, there's really a a sweet spot because if you, not every mom is going to say, I'm going to buy this pouch you know this green we have a green and go pouch that you know is really good but it has 30 percent of vegetables it's not 100 percent fruit so it tastes less sweet than a 100 percent fruit product which is what is on the market but that we don't i didn't start the company to be helping people um just feed their babies and toddlers naturally sweet things only mm-hmm. i really wanted to push the nutritional aspect which means you know, vegetables and not just fruit. Mm. Um, so the, always that, that's always kind of our, our balance because he cares as well, but it is definitely more difficult to, you have to do a lot of education piece on that. You know, it's going to take your child, including my child, typically a much longer time to like jump on the, the green one. And then I, I argue with our grandmother all the time about this and we can't just give her the sweetest piccolo <laughs> products because that is easier it is much easier than we have to keep sticking with some of the green and you know some of the some of the 100% vegetable products we make it's it's normal that she's not going to jump on it as much as apple and pear and and some I, I love our other sweet products but if we only give that to her it's it's not the best thing for her and that's for all babies mm. 
Support when you're pregnant is so important. I started this podcast to ask and answer all the questions that were racing through my mind. And I know from all your messages that you are full of them too. That's why I've teamed up with Bundle, a fantastic organisation of antenatal teachers, GPs, sleep consultants, breastfeeding specialists and more, who offer small group antenatal classes digitally over Zoom and face-to-face in London. Bundle classes are a great way to meet other mums at the same stage of the journey as you and get real answers to your questions. The expert support doesn't end when your baby is born either, as once you're a bundle mum, you'll get their advice throughout baby's first year. There were definitely times I could have done with that. Mum Talk listeners can get 10% off any bundle course by mentioning Mum Talk when booking. Go to www.bundlelondon.com to find out more. Do you find that she taste tests lots for you? <laughs> yes, but I always keep in mind the uh, A, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how many women feel comfortable doing this. I certainly do. Like, my breast milk is very sweet. Mm. I mean, and so I, you know, and I definitely recommend any mom who's breastfeeding just to, just to taste a little droplet and to give you an idea if they're have if they're having that often as mm-hmm. my child still is at nine months it's taking a while for her to get used to other tastes yeah. that are not that like and that's why our we have a banana coconut and we have like an apple apricot those are all her favorites mm. but I always say to the grandmother we cannot just give her the ones that she is naturally eating right away because then she's only used to that profile. And that's yeah. not, the, that's that then she doesn't get all the nutrients she needs as well. So it's just, it's just obviously that's an education type of piece for any parent who isn't, you know, heading up their own baby food company like me, because yeah. I can tell you it's not difficult to push back on an Italian grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. I bet. And um, Amaldine loved, or she loved the banana and coconut one. And actually, she really enjoyed the green one. She didn't finish the whole thing like she did the banana and coconut one, but she did. She didn't kind of say no. Um, so I was quite, I was quite impressed with that because she did seem to quite enjoy it. Which one? What was that? Was that like a, a which flavor was that? Was that like spring greens, which is oh gosh, one pear is still has fruit in it, or then we have a hundred percent courgette peas. It we, was we courgette. It definitely had courgette in it. Okay, then that's our probably our hundred percent. But we have a quite a few green <laughs> products, so to speak, that are a mix of like fruit and veg. And mm-hmm. I mean, for me, the it, the taste profile is also coming from where we source from provenance and like you know family farms and you know those contributing farms to their. That's what will make the difference is just the flavor profile of the zucchini itself because with with any baby anything for babies you can't do anything to change the taste of your of the vegetable or fruit not when Mm -hmm. it's a puree and you shouldn't either they don't need that so you really need to be having great tasting vegetables and fruit and every other ingredient you know be it be it you know we have products like cheddar and parmesan like it has to be the best primary ingredients you can get because that is what makes up what's in there um so for me you know i'm always thinking about that when we when we taste things um Mm. because that's where the taste is coming from Mm. absolutely and it's so hard isn't it in lockdown i think a lot of parents you know that 
as you well know, juggling work, juggling homeschooling, (laughs) juggling maybe a younger sibling, maybe even juggling husband. (laughs) It's really difficult to then also keep putting out healthy meals on the table. It's a huge, even I struggle. And to be honest, you know, I I, I kind of just get bored of it because you know you find yourself as a mum cooking like three meals a day and it's just never ending and you feel like you've just cleared up from the first one then you've got to put another one on the table and it's Mm. it's really difficult to keep finding healthy options well not difficult but it's it's time consuming it, it is because it actually is difficult at your child you said she's two yeah that's still so the babe so just to get to give you an idea, like when we make anything for babies and toddlers, it's in a, it's it's in a governing body by the, around like the the salt and sugar and mm. all the profiles to do with what they need is from zero to three. And so kids are still very much forming, you know, core, even though we we give birth, but they're, they're still those first a thousand days are critical. Um, mm. It's not that they are like finished finished products really do you know at the end of the day the the nutrition they get those first a thousand days is paramount so you know cooking for her this evening it is it's not the same it's just different than if she was seven because that Mm. zero to three window is a very special window of which we have an opportunity to really form their palates and make sure they're getting the right nutrition and that's why we launched a cooking range and it was I had no idea you know, obviously that a pandemic was going to occur, but it, I've been probably the proudest moment for me of this pandemic is all the fan mail we've been getting about our cooking range, because we, we're the only people that do it in the sense of like, we, it, you know, if you go on shelf to Sainsbury's or, or Morrison's or Wait Rose, we're across all major UK retail and, um, you know, online, Nakato and our own shop. It's our, our cooking range is so popular. So we make like a stock cube that has no palm oil and no added sugar. And I can tell you, look at, look at the back of a regular stock cube for adults. Mm. You know, stock cubes are designed for adults and Mm. adults are, you know, have a different recommended salt intake than a two year old. Mm. And so that has been, you know, such a reassuring moment is to hear from so many parents on what a difference we're, we're making with the cooking range. Because now when they make a risotto or, you know, minestrone for the family, they're using our, one of our stock cubes or we make like a stock, we just launched a stock sachet and now they can give it to their baby and then they can add, you know, what's needed if they need to make it more salty afterwards. But if you use a regular stock cube and that already has more salt than the baby should have the whole day, that's Mm -hmm. the problem is adult products are not made for you know every all the guidelines that the uk rightfully has and should have on what we need to be you know giving our kids in that in that time frame of zero to three Mm. and it is difficult to keep track of all of the you know percentages you know it's not like i'm i definitely am not sitting there planning a meal thinking okay that's 0.2% salt, that's, you know, 0.3% sugar. You kind of get to the end of the day and you think, okay, yeah, today was probably a little bit too much sugar. I'll do better tomorrow. (laughs) In here, we just don't, like, if we make any soup, basically, I mean, we would only use, we use, you know, the piccolo stock cube and then 
we add to it. That way mm. we can always make any soup and like blend it and then, you know, give it to her. In fact, we just gave her some, um, like a kind of green pea soup the grandmother made, but then we added this because it's just like making sure that the building blocks of things don't have too much salt so mm. that you can use it for them. And it's interesting because there's a lot of focus around babies, you know, that's zero to 12 months, but actually all the guidelines from, from the NHS and also the EU is around zero to three because mm. it's still so important. 18 months, 24 months going up to 36 months. They're just like forming little humans in terms of bone structure, their brain, like brain health. It's, 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 it's fascinating. And, you know, it's, 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 it's something I'm always reading about and keeping on top of because that toddler age, and then if they feel cranky or, you know, so much of their behavior can come from like mood can come from, you know, what they've eaten. So I feel quite a lot of responsibility in terms of just on the nutritional side of everything we offer and, and that even with this retailers we work with, that they offer a good range, mm. not just too much fruit. You know, even though, you know, it's normal that a hundred percent vegetable pouch will sell less than a hundred percent fruit, but we need to be offering that selection to parents so that that it's not too much fruit. And I feel really strongly about my responsibility in, in that arena and uh and the same on formula uh in the sense that we have our formula it's no palm oil 100 percent organic stage one stage two stage three and we launched that with boots you know at, during the pandemic i should add um and that was you know of course tricky during the pandemic but overall it was because you know boots and i felt like you know there need to be an offering like that mm. for parents to choose to choose from um, so I feel really important about our responsibility and that kind of goes back to your question around what's like working with your husband. Like, you know, everything comes from, from different angles. I always think about our responsibility to also educate and not just do what's easy because sugar mm -hmm. is easy compared to, you know, um, constantly reminding parents that it may take a while for your child to get used to a more like bitter green flavor and, and, and including me sometimes I'm just like oh I just want to give her the coconut or, or the banana or the mango mm. which is an easier sell and it means I can get to her and I can get back to work but I just like I have to persevere with mm -hmm. my own beliefs and not even my own beliefs but like actually the, the guidance from from PHE England, uh, Public Health England, and NHS. Mm. And it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I found with Amandine especially that toddlers' tastes change daily. One one minute, you know, her favourite thing to eat is this sweet potato, um, kidney bean, coconut milk curry that I make for her. And she used to love that. And now she will not touch it. And she just, yeah, she just so absolutely great. will not touch it. And it's so difficult because one day you think, great, I know she's going to eat. She's hardly had anything today. She's going to absolutely wolf that down. And then she just doesn't want it at all. It, it, it causes very real stress with, with yeah. the grandparents as well. Because the grandmother really, <laughs> she also likes to make her own things. And, and just, you know, my husband was very easy as a baby. And my first child ate everything. 
And this, this, this second baby, I keep saying it's because, you know, the lockdown, like this has not been the first, this is not a normal first nine months on this planet. So I just say it, you know, it's fine, you know, and, and I did, I, you know, we've been trying to get her to eat the hundred percent courgette, you know, in fact, that's the one I have open and, you know, we did a little bit of vegetables now, but then, you know, then we let her have a bit of fruit. Because, you know, she wasn't eating enough of the vegetables. So it's just it's just about finding your own way. I mean, we were the first brand to launch vegetable only pouches um, and, you know, right into a major supermarket. And that was a lot of education. Again, just telling parents, like, you know, don't be disheartened and don't be don't be disheartened also with us if even after the third time, you know, they're not wolfing down the 100 percent. Green or we have a couple of different vegetable blends. Frankly, I use the most our vegetable and fruit blends. Mm-hmm. So because still get that 30, 35 percent vegetables. And for for you know, with the cultural differences sometimes, it's just about the stress if the grandparents feel that the child is not eating enough. Like mm-hmm. even if it's perceived, you know those family dynamics, it can it can get people nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um so I think it's always about just find, find, finding that balance and what's right. Obviously, if you're parenting completely on your own, you don't have all the other dynamics of what everybody thinks. But mm-hmm. in my particular case right now, there's a lot of dynamics around mm-hmm. feeding this baby. Um, and that's fine. That's fine. So I really try to just look at it as she's very healthy. And obviously, at the end of the day, she still has breast milk. Um, yeah. So um, and and, you know, the formula, of course, like I made it. I've made it so I, I know exactly what's in it and I feel very comfortable with, with her having that as well from her family. And I think it's important to bond with family members over feeding that, you know, not just with the mother. And I, I think the UK is also very good about that um, around the role of carers, grandparents, other members of the family. Um, we really show that in all of our advertising. But I'd say, again, interesting being in Italy, because in the UK, there's a lot of chat about and not just chat, I mean, like main media around, you know, different types of families. Um, you know, it's not just the heterosexual family of four. And that is much more mainstream in the UK than here. You know, mm. so seeing dads and advertising. And, and so it's always interesting to to be in Italy for a period. Um and reflect on all those things. And it makes, you know, it's very important for me that in Piccolo we show that diversity because that is what Britain is today. And I think more than it, with the pandemic, like look at how much parenting and, and, and different types of arrangements and how we're having families is at the forefront. Um, also in the press because parents, of course, so hard to try to work and have kids at home who can't go to school or, you know, it's, there's a lot of challenges around potentially having childcare, you know, so I, I'm, I feel really proud to, you know, I'm obviously you can hear from my accent. I'm a naturalized Brit. I became British, but I'm very, very proud of the, the, the way we can talk about family in the UK and the way Piccolo can talk around, about family and modern parenting. Mm. of family. Mm. You mentioned briefly just a, a, a while ago that, you know, it's not been a normal nine months for Scarlett, and of course it hasn't. But what ways do you, can you visually see that, um, or not necessarily visually, but what ways can you see that it's, you know, it's going to be, it's been different for her um, in that, do you see it in her behavior or do you? I don't think she's met another baby. I mean, really? she had absolutely no 
because we are, we're quite, as, as you can see, I've mentioned the grandparents a few times, like mm. because we're from a very close family and I, I wanted to, you know, we, we, we had to test ourselves many times. Like luckily none of us have ever been exposed to COVID that we're aware of. None of us, you know, we're all fine because we have to be very careful because we are all together. I, you know, th- she hasn't been around any type of social activity, like mm. with other moms, with babies or anything. Whereas my first child, you know, had such a passage, you know, at that time, it was just you take a walk with your baby, other moms, other like, you know, Piccolo works with Jumbery and water babies and a lot of different activity partners. Yeah. So all those wonderful things about going to like a Jumbery class where you meet other moms uh, or, you know, we, we actually work with four different activity partners. So you can imagine I, I know all of them very well. Um, so I, I have, you know, I, I'd say that my mom experience is even quite unique when I'm in Britain because of my relationships through, through Piccolo. And mm-hmm. I know about the benefits of like jogging with your baby, with other moms, with Buggy Fit, which is one of our partners. And of course, like none of that, none of that I'm doing because of the pandemic. And then those activities, there's less of them in Italy. It's not the maternity. It's all very different. So, so my child is not having that kind of socialization, I should say, um, with other moms and other babies or other dads. Like we just have to be, you know, completely careful because it's still like, it's, it's, it's not in the same place Britain is right now, but it's, it's like in a semi kind it's not, it's not a normal situation right now in Italy either. No. Yeah. So she has, I realize she has not been around a ba- another baby ever now that you asked me. Oh think, my goodness. Yeah. So, but she'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, of course, of course. And she's got her sibling as well. And you know, it's not like she's not around any other kids because you have one already. <laughs> I mean, only people she's met outside of the family, literally, is the Piccolo team. Oh. That, yeah, because those are the only people I saw in a social distance way, in a safe way, you know, during that period when you were allowed to, you know, when the government said you can do COVID safe working. So, yeah. you know, we were all work. So I would take her with me to see the Piccolo team and work with the Piccolo team. So oh. that those are the only people she knows actually outside of, outside of uh, her family. Oh, cute. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, so you have set up, you mentioned very briefly, but you set up your temporary online store um, for the COVID crisis. Are you going to keep that on as permanent, do you think? Well, it's really helpful. I mean, you can see, like, I thought it was going to be temporary, but now, like, it's people are having a hard time getting slots sometimes mm. for some retailers. So especially for formula, like I feel a moral obligation that nobody should have to be stressed out if they need formula and are having a hard time getting it, especially, you know, and so that is why I started doing it is because we started getting a lot of customers very frustrated that they had started on our new organic formula. And then, you know, getting to shops with masks and their baby, like it was, and even making sure that they were still there on shop because you know, we, we give the product to uh, the retailers we work with, which is with formula, it's, it's Boots and Sainsbury's and Acado. But I can't do anything if someone's having a hard time getting a slot on Acado. No. And it's the thing I can do. <laughs> For 5000 you know, so that is why. And that, unfortunately, you know, Acado was doing its absolute best. And it's, Acado is an amazing, amazing business and retailer. And I'm really proud to work with them. But they had a situation where from one day to the next, you know, 
thousands of customers wanted a slot. It was just mm-hmm. unprecedented. So um, therefore, we really felt that we had to do something very quickly. So it's, you know, it's for all of our range. So of course, you can get like our cooking bundle. But the formula aspect is where I felt a real emotive you know, energy that I had to, I, I had to do something it was like, it made me so tense that moms were struggling on top of everything else and moms and dads. And I got quite a few personal, you know, calls from dads that I know in the food and drink industry who were like, cat, we buy your product at Sainsbury's, but you know, they didn't have it this week, like, you know, because things got very hectic. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I was just like, you know, they, it was better to set it up. And then, um, you know, what we, what we have done is a subscription, which also makes life a lot easier. So Mm. if you, if you know, you're going to, if you have adventurous eater, you can, you can, you can pick what kind of boxes you want coming. So it could be, it could be, it's totally based around you, what you think as a parent, you know, your child wants, do you want to double down on, you know, vegetables or, you know, do you want to have our formula coming regularly? these kinds of, we wanted to make it easy because a subscription for products that you definitely, you know, are sure you're going to need month on month, a bit like diapers. Mm. If you say, if you, if you, you know, if you like, you know, you know that you're going to be using X amount of our products a month, it does make it much easier. So we've, we've offered that as well, um, which is very helpful to parents and especially now, but I think there's something really around that because just in general, I mean, we, of course, people have, are are being more careful about just doing more occasions where they're shopping or any type of risk. So we wanted to make that easier. Just we want to just make sure that every all of our range is always available to customers. So we're pretty 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 much focusing on that right now because mm-hmm. of the recent changes, you know, cause you and I are talking within, you know, two weeks of Brexit happening. Um, but you know, they're, they're doing an amazing job and we haven't had any difficulties, but we've had to be very on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, like I mentioned, uh, we were talking earlier before we started, uh, chatting more formally about like France and, and Italy and ingredients. And, you know, just for us, it's very important that we are supporting, the, the, far, the family farms we work with and making sure that they know, you know, that we're going to be able to pick, pick up what we need, cook it, make it like get it over to the, cause we're, we're sourcing a lot of our fruit and vegetables from, you know, the Mediterranean area. So Italy, France, and Spain for the flavor and this, you know, it makes a huge difference. So we have to make sure that the timing is all right around these kind of factors. Mm um yeah oh yeah absolutely and we were making enough you know there's you know because now people are buying in bulk uh so you know we, we're having some quite large orders coming through I understand it doesn't mean the baby's gonna eat because just to give you an idea I'm sure you've seen this but like a, a pouch you know it, it, okay if you open it then you have to refrigerate it and you know you should consume it within like one or two days but overall some people are buying you know 100 200 pounds worth of our wow. range because it's ambient it can be in the cupboard and they just don't you know they just want to have it yeah so that's a completely different purchasing like and I understand because now even I remember at the beginning of the pandemic I was buying a lot of flour I really like to make bread because it was really frustrating 
if I like it could be many, many times when I went to order that there was no flour available. Yeah. Like, you know, I also I get that mentality because like if your child really likes a certain you know, let's say the coconut blend and like it's available with everything going on in the pandemic, people just wanted to make sure they had, you know, what they were going to need instead of taking it to chance. So we always had enough product. It's just about making sure, you know, it, that we can't do anything about the retailer slots. As I said, we have nothing to do with if a customer can get a slot when they need it with all of the different supermarkets that we provide our product to. And so that's why we did the we did the subscription and the, you know, the online shop because mm-hmm. that I can, can definitely control. And, you know, we made, we are very clear we can get it to you um, within X amount of time and, you know, subscri- subscription, we make it really easy to, to pause it or and it, like based on around your, maybe you just want to have subscription during the pandemic because you're shopping less and maybe after the pandemic. So we make it super flexible. Um, and that's been exciting because then at least I had a little bit, more I could do more to help parents Mm. um yeah as well as make sure of course all of the supermarkets have our full range always but this is like something extra because I I just think no one should be wasting time like looking for a certain product or range for their child and the most important thing is just making sure kids have everything and they can then make them as comfortable as they can when their lives and they can't go to the playground. It's just, everything is a risk now. So I also felt a major obligation for us because I, I feel it's the right thing to do is we, you know, we are doing so much on the charity side. So we give a lot of, uh, Piccolo products to, you know, unfortunately like a lot of families who don't have enough to eat right now for their kids. So we, we did quite a lot of giving at Christmas and now it's just, it's constant. Because uh, obviously more families are are falling into poverty as people lose their lose their jobs. So we've had quite a lot of requests as well where we can to to give the range because it it's super easy because mm-hmm. it's it's on beyond. I mean, it some people heat up our products. I can tell you, like a lot of our even kind of pasta risotto stage two meal blends, they taste fine ambiance. They don't really need to be heated heated. So you know, they're, they're giving, we're giving those to families in need for their toddlers. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. The last question I wanted to ask you is, which I think our listeners will be really interested in. Did you start Piccolo before you had your first or after you had your first child? No, 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 after, after. I mean, I, you know, it was something always on my mind because I've always worked with the, just, I mean, as I'm sure you might be picking up, like for me, nutrition and education mm. are my drivers and, mm. uh, and making a difference. And because that all comes from like the United Nations slow food background. And it was at slow food that I started working with the NCT and I was, I did a lot of work with them around what we discussed earlier around like education. Like there's nothing wrong with a hundred percent veggie blend is just going to take longer for a baby who's only had maybe sweet breast milk or you know formula Mm -hmm. to get used to it so I felt like uh it was I had already my first baby but I was also on the career side completely focused on issues like this with the NCT Mm -hmm. so really it wasn't just about you know I'm a I'm a mom and my child like of course it's it added to it 
But yes, and it gave me the impetus to do it because I really wanted to help other parents. But because I was so much coming from an education nonprofit background about making a difference and education, I really felt what if I could talk about the importance of those first 1,000 days and the nutritional, the importance of like offering those different nutrients and it not just being about fruit. And that's why we, we still are the only multi-pack. You know when you can buy like four products in a box, like yeah. quite popular? We're the only ones who do fruit and vegetable. We don't have 100% fruit multi-pack because we are trying to promote the importance of that 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 fruit is great and there's a place for fruit, but it's not not too much fruit. And so that's why we we make right now all of our our green and go and purple and go. It's the 30% vegetable, but it's not overly veggie tasting. It's a nice blend. So it has the right nutrients, but it's still like quite palatable and delicious for a baby toddler or I mean, my daughter still eats them in her lunchbox. So mm. they're lunchbox kind of smoothie factor. It's like an nice. ambiance smoothie. Yeah. Mm. But that, that is, that is definitely why it was, it wasn't only about, you know, my child and becoming a mother myself because I had already been working in education and the importance of, you know, nutritious food and, and better nutrition for kids for you know some time with the United Nations and slow food so starting a business with young ones that must have been so so tricky how did you juggle it all how did you balance it all did you have help or only had one and I like but still (laughs) a very very outgoing little child I mean again like she is the piccolo logo my first child so if you see it's like a little pointing yeah my co-founder Kane designed her. I mean, designed her. I mean, <laughs> he designed the logo, but he like he knows Julia very well, and um, you know, it's from her pointing one day. And he he's he's he he designs and paints every single product of Piccolo. I mean, now we have over fifty, but wow. the formula, everything, all the illustrations, like he's, you know, we're very close. So he's uh, a huge part of Piccolo and. Um, like seeing all that, see that come to life is quite nice to see her on the, I mean, yeah. she knows, she knows it's her. She likes to, she likes to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but so, so very much there's a, the family behind the brand, uh, is, you know, I hope, I hope parents pick up on that. And we talk a lot about our family to yours around our social giving and the nutritional side. I just think for me, Yes, there's so many great businesses that start because like a mom became a mom, right? But mm. with me, I became a mom and that definitely made a difference and made me really do it. Mm. But because I had been working in two, you know, two nonprofit make a difference type of organizations mm. in food, in education and the United Nations, you know, with the Millennium Development Goals around education and, and, and supporting women you know, that had been my life for many, many years. And that's always going to be with me. Um, and so that that is really at the core of Piccolo. Which is wonderful. A true family brand. It's lovely. It's really lovely. Thank you so, so much for coming on to chat with me today, Kat. It's been really, really insightful to hear, um, obviously, of course, all about your lockdown birth. Congratulations on the birth of your daughter and of course all about piccolo and your passions behind creating the best 
blends and nutrient dense products it's it's really really been very informative thank you so much Thank you so much for listening and a big thank you to our friends at Nourish and Bundle London for supporting the podcast. I will catch up with you all next week. Have a lovely week. Please do leave a review, subscribe and rate. It really does help other mums to find the series and be supported by our wonderful community. Catch you next week. Bye.